and welcome to yet another episode of Cowgirls and Indians. This is the cowgirl, Christina Cook. And this is the Indian, Keith Nobles. And we are Cowgirls and Indians, that's what we are. Um, we're here, you know, we started this podcast, Keith, I, I think a while back to um, really talk about the the framework of the leftist progressive mindset and, and helping folks to to really understand when they see certain things happening within the culture, within, you know, within our society, how that is tied in with, you know, basically the, the nihilism, the, the nihilistic viewpoint of yes. the American left, the progressive left, not, not not even necessarily just American, but, you know, the progressive left and, and how they're trying to to change the world. So we've done episodes at this point, we've done episodes on CRT on, on critical race theory. We've done episodes on education. We've done episodes on on uh, the new man and and sort of the the foundations of this. Um, how this entire framework played itself out in the relationship between the U.S. government and the Indian nations. Uh, we did two episodes on that with you. Um, and today we want to talk about crime, right? Yes. So, and I. <laughs> I probably owe you an apology, actually, because I had a lot of trouble wrapping my head around what exactly we were going to talk about on this podcast, because there's a lot of ways to to kind of approach the concept of crime when we're talking about the progressive left in the U.S., right? Uh, oh, there is. But you asked me in the last episode to choose a topic. Yes, I did. And I, I chose that crime. <laughs> and the reason I chose crime is not crime per se, right? but that there's a philosophy that progressives, Nazis, communists, fascists, all these all these nihilistic ideas that sprung from 19th century German philosophy try to implement. Right. And and crime is probably the easiest way for most people to grasp how that philosophy is played out. Okay. And that's then so that's what we're going to be exploring today yes. is how how that concept plays out in in terms of their objectives yeah in terms of their objectives how they view things right why they view it that way i mean if there are certain assumptions that if you buy into those assumptions uh, this all makes perfect logical sense but if you don't buy those assumptions if you think those assumptions are false then this is utter disaster to humanity okay so make what you just said less abstract for me please okay so it's pretty simple. Okay. Nihilism, as construed by these 19th century German philosophers that progressives spring from, uh, believe that there was no objective good, no right. objective bad, no objective truth, no objective reality, no objective evidence. And they believe that decisions, the consequences of decisions are artificial constructs. Okay. And so what they believe is... Most people would look at it as you make a bad decision, you get a bad consequence. Right. They break that association. The, the, the consequences, the decisions and the consequences are unrelated. Yeah, that the consequence of a decision is an artificial construct and that people like you and I adhere to these artificial constructs because they oppress other people. And so it's our privilege to be able to... Yeah, back to the CRT you know, thing. No, but no, it's, no. CRT, education, the new man, it all ties into this. Right. The idea that all these consequences of your decisions are artificial constructs intended to oppress. Okay. So how does that tie into crime? Why crime? Well. <laughs> <laughs> is that the cogent question? <laughs> yeah, no, it is, right? Okay. And so understand everything they believe is political, right? Everything is political. Okay. So what is and is not a crime? becomes political. It's all political crime. It's all, that's right. Crime is political. Crime, so in the classical model that you and I advocate for. Right. Okay. Crime is violating someone's rights or property. Right. Right. It's really simple. Now, the idea is simple. If you get down to what constitutes violating rights or property, there is considerable debate on many points. Right. And that's okay. We welcome the debate as long as it's premised on protecting rights and property. Okay. But they disown this. Okay. Okay. Progressivism disowns that crime is violating rights and property. Crime is merely a political equation. Okay. So prime is, uh, a crime is un- under their framework is disagreeing with their viewpoint or wh- uh, what is it? I mean, what well, is whatever crime? They, and- whatever they may or may not find politically convenient at that moment. <laughs> so several episodes ago, we talked about Solzhenitsyn. 
yeah. and how social needs land in the gulag. Right. And this is just the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Sure. Okay. Sure. Solzhenitsyn was to review. He was an atheist. He was a committed communist, Marxist-Leninist. He was a captain in the Red Army. Right. He was part of the Red Army that invaded East Prussia toward the end of World War II. He saw Red Army soldiers, Soviet soldiers in East Prussia, literally raping little girls to death. Such a horrible thing. Oh, it is. And he was repulsed by this. And he would later write a poem. We discussed it before called Prussian Nights. He would write it in the gulag. And I'll just read a little bit of the poem so people understand what he was repulsed by. The, the little daughters on the mattress, dead. How many have been on it? A platoon? A company, perhaps? A girl's been turned into a woman. A woman turned into a corpse. It's all come down to simple phrases. Do not forget. Do not forgive. Blood for blood. A tooth for tooth. And so, Solzhenitsyn will write a private letter to another individual. Mm -hmm. And he will be mildly critical of Stalin, driven by this. Okay. And he will get years and years in the gulag for being mildly critical of Stalin in a private letter. Right. So. Whereas the, the Red Army soldiers who performed this heinous act got They're nothing. applauded. Yeah. Right? They're rewarded for raping little girls to death while Solzhenitsyn gets sent the gulag for being mildly critical of Stalin for this happening. Right. And it's just the perfect example, right? By any objective moral standard, raping little girls to death would be wrong. You would think by any moral standard, period. But but not by the not by, not the, by the nihilistic political standard of what a law is, right? And so Solzhenitsyn is the one who said to the gulags, not the people raping little girls to death. And, and so I use that because it's just the, the perfect example sure. of what we're talking about, right? What is a crime and not a crime? In this nihilistic, progressive school of thought is right. purely political, has nothing to do with your rights, has nothing to do with your property, has nothing to do with any objective moral scale of right or wrong. It's purely what is politically convenient at the time. Right. Yeah. Right. So as we've discussed this throughout this week, because we don't always do this prior to an episode, but I was so lost on this one <laughs> <laughs> and I had to, I had to reach out to you a few times. I got to thinking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case yeah. and, and how that all came down. So, it, you know, for those who aren't familiar with Kyle Rittenhouse's case, he was, and there's many nuances to this and many, many criticisms, obviously. But so a young man who was, I believe, 18 at the time um, during the riots of 2020, the summer of 2020, the after George Floyd was killed, um, the Antifa and BLM riots in Waukesha. Was it in Waukesha? I believe so. Wisconsin. And he went up there because his father lived in that town. He went up there to, uh, you know, help if he could. And he was asked by the owner of a used car lot, um, along with some other young men, to come down and help defend that car lot from the rioters and, you know, try to try to head off any sort of violence or damage that, that would be done. He was attacked by two BLM rioters and one pulled a gun on him. Mr. Rittenhouse was armed and fired back and killed. Did he kill one of them? And he he... Injured one of them. He, he winged one, yeah. and, and I believe that he killed the other. And I, I may be getting those cases wrong. Those gentlemen, to my knowledge, were never charged with any crime. No. Never charged with any crime. Kyle Rittenhouse went on trial for his life, and he was acquitted by a jury. But his, and, and to this day, he's very, very active on Twitter. He's a very brave young man. You know, to this day, he is derided as a murderer, et cetera, et cetera. It was an act of self-defense. They have it on video. It is very obviously an act of self-defense. But that was a crime. And well, that's that's why I come he, back to he this. He was acquitted. He was acquitted. Yes. yes. So it was well, not a crime. Was, he was, was acquitted. Good but, point. Good yeah. point. But it was he was charged with that. Yes. And so, um, you know, and I, I think about the January 6th rioters, and I use that term very loosely because I still don't believe uh, much of the narrative surrounding January 6th, but we have people languishing basically in Gulag prison underneath Washington, D.C. without medical care, without counsel, without speedy trial, etc., for the, for the act of protesting against the election. Is that in the same 
classification? Do Maybe you think? Not. We don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you why we don't know, right? Right. And I think this is an important point. Nancy Pelosi, Liz Cheney, and that crew released various snippets of video in order to support their narrative. Right. Recently, Kevin McCarthy used Tucker Carlson to release various snippets of video to support their narrative. Right. There's 14,000 hours of video. We right. just need to have it all released. Well, it is being released. I mean, it's it's they're running it through to make sure that there's no danger to certain members, I guess, of the federal government. I'm, I'm not well, I'm not entirely sure what they're screening it for, but apparently all of that video is going to be released to the public. Well, yeah. Call, call me skeptical that the federal <laughs> government's going to censor what we get to see. Right. And seriously. Fair enough. We'll release it all. Just show it all to us right, right. and let the chips fall where they may. But here's really where we're going with this. It's the idea that, so we've talked many times, all these ideas that root from this 19th century German philosophy, nihilistic, produce misery, poverty, and death 100% of the time. So why are they still popular? And, and the idea, my opinion, right? They're popular because they do something human beings have wanted for a long time. They disassociate consequences from decisions. Right. Right. That's incredibly attractive. If you make bad decisions. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it really is. This is true. Right. I mean, it's that's a really attractive feature. And that's yeah, and, it's not a bug. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, and, and, right. and so but but it goes beyond that. And that extent in creating these and proclaiming consequences are artificial. Right. Right. That if you have bad consequences from your decision, it's because people like you and I have oppressed you. That these consequences have been artificially created for the purposes of oppression. Right. Hence, follow that to the next step. If you do things that are bad decisions in this model, you are actually fighting oppression. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so it's a revolutionary act instead of a criminal act is what you're telling me. Yes. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Solzhenitsyn said to do evil, a human being must first of all believe that what he's doing is good. Okay. Or else that it's a well-considered act in conformity with natural law. So if you convince people, you don't even have to convince them of the philosophy here that consequences are artificially created, that the nihilists believe. You just have to convince them that the consequences of their decisions is evidence of their oppression, which takes us right back to what we talked about CRT. Right. Right. All these things. Right. So I make a bad decision. If I have a bad consequence, that is evidence I'm oppressed. You're not a victim. Evidence, yeah. Not evidence I made a bad decision. You're a victim, not a criminal. It, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we see this all across the range, right? From the federal debt to abortion. It's true. Right? Every place we have an issue in this country we see this at play is the progressive effort to disassociate consequences from decision. And you can tell somebody, if you make that decision, there will be bad consequences with it. And that will make you the de facto oppressor. Right. It makes total sense if you buy this idea that consequences are artificial constructs. Okay. Right. It really does. Right. And this is how you end up with Heinrich Kimmler. The Nazi SS, right? Yeah. Himmler buys this idea. If you go back and just the last 110 years of German history, you see uh, 1914 to 1933, Germany makes a number of really bad decisions. Germany suffers some really horrific consequences right. from these bad decisions. Right. I mean, really, really horrific decisions. Okay. Okay. Many Germans are unwilling to accept that they made bad decisions worthy of those consequences, mm-hmm. okay? They are ripe to be sold this nihilistic idea that they are oppressed, that these consequences were not because of their decisions. These po- consequences are because they're being oppressed. And in the, that case, the Nazi case, your oppressor are the Jews. Right. Right? I mean, this is how we get to this point. So once you disassociate the actual consequences from the decision, right, and you assume that your consequences are not because you made a bad decision, but because someone is oppressing you, you end up with this quite logical flow of Heinrich Himmler and the SS going, these people have oppressed me. They're trying to destroy me. This is a race war. Right. Right. Back to CRT. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Same thing. Back to CRT. Right. And hence, these people need to be annihilated because they are my oppressor. 
Right. Even though there is zero evidence that Jews oppressed anybody, Jews were responsible for the decisions Germany made. That that was just pure fiction. Somebody had to had to pay for. Well, somebody had to be the oppressor because right. obviously the consequences were not a result of my bad decisions, even right. though they were. Right. Right. But but I mean we see it in retrospect pretty clearly. And this is how you end up with, you know, Heinrich Kumbhard sending millions of people to their death without a twinge of conscience. Right. Because to him, it made perfect logical sense. It was. And well, again, it's, it's a revolution and they're fighting the revolution by making by making bad decisions. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and what we have now are progressives in government incentivizing people mm -hmm. to make bad decisions. I mean, yeah. a great example is Colorado and car theft. Colorado is now the car theft capital of North America. Right. And uh, because they lower the penalties for car theft. So in some cases, car theft in Colorado is now a misdemeanor. <laughs> I wonder what happens when you do that. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, this is, some of this is just such so common sense. But anyway, go ahead. No, but, but I mean, this is a great example, right? Right. And so because everything is political, see these people. Mm -hmm. Progressives are not big fans of automobiles in the first place. They think you should all be <laughs> taking public transportation, right? Fair enough. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's people I, I know who their insurance rates have doubled in two years. Yeah. In Colorado, there's people with uh, particular models of cars that are highly stolen who cannot get insurance for their cars now. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, all because, yeah, they lowered the penalties. They basically invited people to steal cars saying you will get a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so what do people react to? They react to incentives and the path of least resistance. Those are the two things we all are more most susceptible to. If I can steal a car and make more money then I can make work in a fast food, mm -hmm. make more money in a day. Oh, sure. Than, than I would make in a month in fast food. And the worst I'm going to get is a month in county jail. Rational, it's, a, it's a rational economic decision at that point. It, it is an immoral decision, but it is a rational yes. Exactly. So, right. Well, and and so what is morality when you have this nihilistic point well, of view it, anyway? Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and so the, the resistance, the path of least resistance, chances are, because there's so many car thefts now, I'm not going to get caught Anyway, right. And if I do get caught, I will get a slap on the wrist. In the meantime, I will steal a car and I will make a good amount of money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that's really. Yeah. I mean, it's just really a simple equation. But we see this uh, go to back to the riots in 2020. Mm -hmm. Right. The riots simply started because of uh, George Floyd. Ostensibly. Minnesota. Right? right. This policeman behaved in a brutal way that resulted in his death. And I'm not denying there aren't some very bad policemen out there, as we saw recently in Memphis. Five policemen beat a man to death. Yes. That's that's not the issue. The issue is for the riots, right? And I'm going to tie this back to the whole nihilism thing, because the question you have to ask from the riots is, how did destroying the shoe store protest against the police? And of course, from their point of view, I am fighting oppression because you would otherwise hold me accountable for the consequences of my destroying the shoe store. Because now we're not going to hold people accountable for the consequences of destroying the shoe store. In, in your word, it becomes a revolutionary act. I'm right. fighting oppression by destroying the shoe store. Right. Right. This is the logic that you get in your mind when you buy these things that are not true. So I want to I want to kind of differentiate here. There's there's a few different um, dynamics here that I want to I want to call out. So first of all, you have an ideological class of people um, who are actually pushing forward these policies that separate consequences from decisions. Okay? Yes. And so you have the defund the police movement. You have the, the rioters themselves um, in, in the 2020 uh, BLM riots. You've got uh, progressive politicians. You've got, you know, city councils like the city council in Denver, you know, stuff like that, who, who are pushing these ideas. They yes. are ideologically politicians, bureaucrats, mm -hmm. activists, activists, uh, yes. especially activists and, media and who, who are making who are making this distinction. You also have people who are going to take advantage of those policies once they happen, which which those activists and politicians and media are counting on. Yeah. They're counting well, on creating it, it, a system that incentivizes this kind of behavior so that they can demonstrate as an activist will fund, organize and support this behavior. There's that. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. Um, and then Kamala Harris will come and bail them all out. So that all applies, that oppression all applies to only a certain class of people. Then on the other side of crime, there is a whole 
bunch. And these are the I, I think the this the this is the dynamic that I was referring to earlier when I was talking about Kyle Rittenhouse on January sixth, yeah. is that there is a I'm not going to say made up crimes because we really don't know. Um, like, for example, with January 6th, we, with Kyle Rittenhouse, we do know um, that they made up a crime basically to to charge him with. And, you know, he went he had to go through that entire process and deal with that for the rest of his life. You right. know, deal with having gone through that process for the rest of his life. January 6th, folks who are, you know, some of them serving serving time. Some of them haven't even gotten a trial at this point. They're not getting access to discovery, et cetera, et cetera. These are crimes that are that are being i'm just going to say because i can't think of another way to, to say it they're being made up and applied to a class of people that you don't like or the, that these policymakers, no, these it, activists exactly. these you know because, they don't like because everything is politics because everything is politics so they just make up stuff and and throw it at people that they don't like making them into criminals so we're, we're back to the social decent example bingo that's it right yeah raping little girls to death is not prosecuted being outraged by it is prosecuted. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so so that is the other side of this whole dynamic of crime in in the United States at this point. And and nationally, I mean, think about the truckers protests up in Canada <laughs> and where they debanked them. They they punished them. Yes. Um, you know, took away their property. Yes. Um, because they were speaking out against the government. Yes. Which isn't a crime in a free yeah, in, well, I, in a, in a free I, I, and fair society, it's not. I don't think too many people are arguing anymore. Canada is a free country. Used to be. <laughs> used, it used to be, to be. very polite. Yes. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Canada falls in that category. Not anymore. with Trudeau at the helm, and it's certainly not the not the case. No. Um, you know, but that's what you should expect from Fidel Castro's love child. You know, it's <laughs> exactly where we're going with that. So, but I, I guess. That's those are the two sides of everything is that the stuff that that ought to be crimes, the things that are, you know, crimes against, you know, they're, they're violations of uh, rights and property, uh, rights and property and, and you know, their 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 lives and, you know, their livelihoods, etc. Um, those things are not being prosecuted. Those things are, you know, the, the, the folks who are who are perpetrating those crimes against rights and property are, are not being punished because any punishment as you say, is is an oppression. It's it's yeah, well, a made up concept. They're not punished because these people are essentially Marxists. They believe neither in rights nor property. Right. Uh, this is the bottom line to that. Right. They, they simply do not believe you have rights and property. They believe you have politics. Right. Right. I mean, this is really critical to understand. So, if somebody steals your car, even if they catch them, it's a misdemeanor. Well, they get a slap on the wrist. Never mind that you are a single mother with two children you have to take to school to get yourself to work and you're barely making ends meet and now somebody has taken your car right they, they don't care about that right right that's irrelevant because that's not in fact they, they might even prefer that because it's more likely that lady would end up on assistance and dependent on government well that's exactly where right? she's going to end up and that's what they're trying to aim at yeah, yeah that makes yeah. perfect so, sense yeah so yeah i mean it all fits a political end right and if you steal a car from somebody who's well off well, okay, they're well off. They deserve to have their car stolen. Right? <laughs> I mean, that, that, we have a friend uh, in Colorado who has three years has had his car stolen three times. Yep. You know, they're, they're, I'm serious. This yeah. is funny, but it's not funny because there are people I know in Colorado right now who are looking for manual transmission vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> because... Because <laughs> the thieves don't know how to They're drive, drive a manual. That's right. But I mean, it's it, an anti-theft yeah, Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's funny, but how sad. It is. Yeah. It yeah, is sad. Because so many cars are, are being stolen. Right. And it's not just that. It's uh, homelessness. Right. And, and just basic violation of property rights. Yeah. And that anytime somebody tries to evict a homeless person off property that is not theirs, you will have a lawyer show up and follow a motion that that person has to stay there. That's your ass. Right? They will. I, I, yep. I saw um, in Boulder last week, I guess I heard on the radio, a little news blurb. Uh -huh. But yeah, uh, Boulder's trying to get rid of a, a homeless camp on Boulder Creek. Boulder is. Boulder is. Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado is trying to get rid of a homeless camp. Tolerant and, of everything. And they yeah. can't do it. Yeah. They just can't legally get permission to get rid of the homeless camp. So these are property right violations. I mean, I mean that, that's what they are. I, I, there was a business in Denver that I have frequented for 25 years. And since I now live in Wyoming, they are kind enough. Last time I was down there, they were kind enough, even though they are not normally open on Sunday, 
to open on Sunday for me. Aww. And so I showed up at eight o'clock on Sunday morning and I was there for a couple hours and did my business. And uh, nice. Yeah, they were very nice. I came out at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. They have not a very large parking lot. This isn't like a retail business. This is a okay. personal services kind of business, right? Gotcha. Okay. I went out at 10 o'clock and there were homeless people setting up a camp in their parking lot, unrolling their tents. They had their needles out. Yep. They had uh, the whole thing. They were unabashed about it all. And they were setting up a camp in their parking lot. Well, uh, and I went in and told them. And, but yeah, I mean, just, yeah, somebody's private property. They assume they're not going to be there on Sunday because they're closed on Sundays. And uh, they, they thought they would set up a camp on Sunday. So we've got, I, I believe, another mutual friend, um, a friend of mine that I've known for, for many, many years who has a business in downtown Denver. Um, north north part of downtown Denver. Yes. And uh, homeless folks set up an open air drug camp or drug market. Yeah. Directly in front of his business. Yeah. And it, it's it created a very dangerous situation for him and his employees. And this is not a public service yeah. type of type of uh, business. And so he didn't have customers coming in and out. Um, but for him and his employees, you know, it's it's a very dangerous thing. And oh, yeah. And he has to be located where he's at. Um, and there's there's various technical right. reasons for that that I could not begin to articulate because I don't understand them. But, um, you know, so so he has to deal with this. And it's and the, the police are like, we can't do anything, you know, so so they just move in and they do this. The other thing that I want to point out, and this may not be something that um, that hits your radar, maybe quite as much as a woman this becomes a very huge personal safety issue. Oh, yeah. This is a huge personal safety issue. And so, you know, the last few years when I was living in Denver, I basically refused to leave my apartment after dark. Absolutely. You know, oh, it, yeah. it was, it was, you know, there were homeless, I, I hesitate to call no, it a homeless I, I, camp, but there I, was. I knew exactly where you lived. And yeah. I know exactly what was going on right there. Yeah. Uh, and I know it's much worse now than it was when I was living there. So, but, you know, back in the alley, we, you know, definitely had problems back there. And, you know, and just a few blocks to, to the west of where I was, was, you know, it was a huge problem. You could not leave your apartment as a single woman. You could not do that safely. And I'm not the only one, obviously. Right. So, you know, it's it's a huge personal safety issue. That is a violation of my rights and property right there. It's not just about, you know, somebody stealing my car. It's not just about, you know, somebody camping out on my on my lawn and me yelling, get off my lawn, like, you know, old man yells at clouds. You know, I mean, that's that's. Even though I've done that. <laughs> yelled at clouds or yelled at Yo, get get off my lawn. lawn. Yeah. It, it, it's about personal property. It's about feeling safe and not, you know, being able to, to go about your business. Well, there's an attitude here because, again, right, these people's mind, they're fighting oppression, right? How, that, how because the, is oppressing me is, helping well, that? Because their view is, if I don't feel safe, you don't get to feel safe. It is childish, but that is the view. But I don't understand why they don't feel safe. I mean, they okay if if they're saying they, if they, they're saying that their oppression, they're they're feeling that you know they have to pay the consequences for decisions they make makes them feel unsafe, and so therefore they get to threaten my bodily autonomy. They 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 view it this way. Okay, all help right. Me. They so let's be honest. Criminals flock together. People who are not criminals flock together. You and I probably know very few people who are criminals. Very few. Very few, if any, <laughs> right? People who are criminals primarily know other criminals. They do not feel safe because their friends, their acquaintances, their associates are criminals, right? Okay. I mean, this is just, you know, again, it's, it's the a craziest self, thing I've it's ever a self, heard. It's a self-licking lollipop though, it right? It is a self-licking. There's all, but that's, that's uh, what we should, we should rename this podcast, the self-licking lollipop. We, we absolutely 100% should. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's how they view it, right? I don't right. get to feel safe. You don't get to feel safe. Right. Right. I mean, that's very much how they view it. They, they are bitter people who feel they have been oppressed, not that they have made bad decisions. I, they are bitter people who who believe that they should be able to take or do anything that they want to take or do at any single point in time where the where the impulse hits them without any sort of consequence. And they feel that that is a good thing because by doing so, they are fighting oppression. 
I can't even begin to address how insane that is. No, it is absolutely insane. And, and again, back to the example of Solzhenitsyn or the example I used of Himmler, or you can look at the Soviet Union or Mao's China. You can pull pot in Cambodia, killed 40 percent of the population because he believed exactly this. Right. Right. That he was killing the oppressors because the oppressors believed there was an objective right and wrong. I mean, Lenin, we don't know how many Lenin killed early on the Soviet Union because they would say there is objective right and wrong. And Lenin referred to that killing those people as social hygiene. Right. Right. I mean, that's what he called it. Social hygiene to kill people who believe in objective right and wrong. Makes you worry about his actual hygiene. Yeah. Well, um, but, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, this is this is what the thought process is. Yeah. And, and we said over and over and over again, progressives always think they're doing something new. They're just rehashing what all these other people well, we have done. That. Right. I mean, we know it, that. Yeah, there's it's... nothing new here. And there's nothing that we don't know how, if it is continued to its logical end, it won't turn out. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, this is this is important to understand, in my mind. It is. About crime. Why is crime exploding? Right. Right. Because it is politically convenient. For crime to explode. For progressives, for crime to right. explode. Right. And if you can, like I said, break this association between decisions and consequences in enough people's minds, you're just creating little, little, so this little is, nihilist. Okay. So my curiosity about this whole situation kind of boils down to this. And maybe my base assumption is wrong. My base assumption being as nihilistic as you know uh, reprehensible and and as much as i cannot get into the heads necessarily of the progressive left i have always viewed them as practical people looking for political ascendancy okay right because their their objective is power yes and and so in order for that to happen they have to at some level they have to they have to bow to reality, right. you know, and so they have to get, you know, the, the majority of people on their side. OK, that being said, well, or cow, the majority of people or cow. And maybe that's maybe that's the part that I'm missing in this, because that being said, you know, the, the, the criminal element in society is far outnumbered, far, far, far outnumbered by law abiding citizens. Yes. You know, f- far like magnitudes. Yes. But but part of this being political. Right. Who crime is tolerated against and who does not tolerate against is go. a big part of the deal. OK. Right? Talk to me about that. OK. I can assure you Jared Polis does not worry about crime. <laughs> Fair okay? I, I mean, or Joe Biden you know. or Kamala Harris. Well, no, 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 or, no, but I mean, yeah. or uh, I mean, you can just name the people, you know, they're not going to be bothered by crime. Right. Right. It's not going to affect them. They're going to live in gated communities. They're going to have private security forces. They say, you can't have a gun, but their security forces will have guns. Right. Right. I mean, this is just how, how it works. Yeah. Right. And they will say, OK, if you commit a crime against these people or this group, you will be punished to the utmost we can. Right. But if you commit a crime against those people or that group, eh, well, we're not let us slide. And this gets back to what classically what we advocate for, what a crime is, violation of rights and property. And because we believe all oh, men are created, created equal, equal with yes. the same natural rights. Okay, yeah. You're judged on the crime. Right. You're not judged on if you're black or white, if you're straight or gay, if you're male or female, right? If you're 20 years old or 50 years old, right? We don't judge. We judge on what the crime is and hold everybody the same standard of evidence to be convicted or not of that crime. And everybody gets the same rights. This is why Lady Justice... Is blindfolded. That's 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 the whole purpose, right? Exactly. This is what we strive for. Right. Right. Okay. They renounced that model. Yeah. Crime is political. Crime is a sliding scale. Who committed what crime? Who did they commit it against? And for what reason was that crime committed? Right. Those are the determining factors here. Not blind justice, but justice based on political criteria. That's entirely what they look at. And this kind of gets back, you just hit something in my head that, that turned a, turned on a light bulb. This gets back to that whole idea that intentions are more important than actual results. Well, the intention is right? political power. and the, Well, the intention is political power, but the, yes. the, the reason you said something about the reason why a crime was committed, that that outweighs so much in terms of, you know. From our point of view, right? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. 
Yeah. A murder is a murder is a murder. An armed boom, robbery boom, boom, boom. is an armed robbery is an armed robbery. Yep. Spray painting somebody's wall is spray painting somebody's wall is spray painting somebody's wall. Yep. Right? It's not yours. Yep. Don't touch it. Yep. Right? It's it's really a simple system. Right. No, it's not like that for these people. No. It's all political. Right. So if you are on the political correct side to them, and you commit a crime against somebody who's on the politically incorrect side, mm -hmm. it's different yes. than if it was the other way around. So hate crimes cannot go against white people. They can only go against minorities. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually pretty much how that is interpreted. Yeah. Or, you know, it, you can't commit a, a hate crime against a, a straight person. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is the problem. And I, I've gotten back to, to that. And, and this will probably get me some hate mail, ironically enough. This is my problem with hate crimes, because it's either a violation of rights or it's not. No, exactly. I and, mean, and if we're not going to if not, we're not going to vigorously prosecute somebody who commits a murder, who who commits a crime, unless we can attach that hate moniker to it, then why do we even have the law? Yeah. I mean, we're getting to. Political motivations for crimes. Right. Right. I mean, that's that is, really what it boils down no, to. And that is, and we've been there for 30 years, more than 30 years now. Yeah. And it's a dangerous place to be. It, it is. is a very dangerous place to be. But I'll tell you, and we've, I've, I've mentioned this over and over during these podcasts, right? Inevitably, what happens is people go, oh, well, I'm going to support these people yeah. because I can do what I want against those people until those, it's always like that on the way to power. It is not like that once they have obtained power. True. Right? You are likely to be the guy lined up against the wall. That's just how it works. Yep. Every single time. Yep. And the reason is because they need everybody that they can get to attain it. Once they get there, they have to consolidate it. Well, and and so that consolidation is literal. I mean, they have to kill off the people who got them there. So you talked about what wasn't a crime at the beginning of Nazi Germany yeah. um, was homosexuality. Yes. They needed everybody they could get. To get there. Yeah. And then once they had power, then yeah. all yeah. of a sudden it became a crime yeah, exactly. to be a homosexual. Yeah, a capital yeah. crime. Yeah. A yeah. capital crime a capital when they crime. took you out and shot you. Yeah. 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 Same, same thing happened to the Soviet Union. Yeah. Yeah. Exact same things happened. <sighs> yeah. There, there's a lot of people right now who think, well, I'm going to support these people because, yeah. you know. and safer. Yeah. It, it never <laughs> works yeah. that way. And right. We're, we're on the quote unquote right side of history. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You're going to be on the wrong side real soon, buddy. Well, yeah. No, it's that's just been the total history of of these ideologies. Right. That that stem from these philosophies. It's how it's how they operate. It's how they've always operated. It's how they have always planned to operate. And it's in such contrast, I guess. Just it just kind of blows my mind. And you know, as we've gone through these podcasts, I guess the one of the, the one thing that just continues to haunt me is the Germans are not from another planet. You know, I mean, they're not they're not from, you know, some other you know galaxy with a completely different you know frame of reference. It's the same classical background that we're drawing from. And yet they came up with these ideas that are so freaking bad. Well, so freaking bad and, yeah. and have, have caused so much pain and misery and death since they came up with them. Oh, yes. And I mean, the alternative being our classical tradition that you and I talk about, the the all men are created equal, all men are created equal with the same rights and right. and, and and, you know, natural ability uh, to 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 go forth and a natural right to, to go forth and do what they want in freedom, you know, and that is a beautiful thing. You know, yes. it, it truly is. It does not result in everybody doing something that you like all the time. No, it does not result in that. No, but, but it results in people and societies thriving. Exactly. And and this dead German philosopher foundation, the nihilism that, that has come from that is so opposite that it's so wrong. It just, just it's just freaking wrong. And and it just makes people so not thrive so bad, you know, so well, it's look, it's all premised on falsehoods. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. Right. And once you can get yourself to believe some some of the fundamental falsehoods. Right. Yeah. All the other falsehoods fall in place. It makes sense. But let me give you an example. Laws. Right. We're talking about crime. Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Crimes are a violation of laws. Right. Laws do not prevent anything. Laws exist to provide a basis to prosecute people after they have done something. Right. Right. Okay. So the idea, well, if we pass more laws, we'll have fewer shootings. 
Okay. No, no, no. You have how that gun-free zone work out for you? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, the guy who who committed eight felonies to right. kill somebody. Okay, now you get to tag him with felony number nine. But what's the point? It didn't stop exactly. him because laws don't prevent things. Laws provide a basis to prosecute after something is done. This is true. And so they, but they turn that around here politically, and things that you would within your natural rights be perfectly free to do, they make illegal. Right. Right. I, I, I mean. Yeah, it's it's all just incredibly disingenuous and dishonest. It is, but you once you understand how it works, once you understand how the system works, it does make sense. No, right. it, it makes yeah. sense. If you make bad decisions and you suffer consequences for bad decisions, and somebody convinces you those consequences were artificially constructed to oppress you, right? Right? Then you are a victim. Whoever argues for making good decisions is your oppressor. Right. Right. I mean, here you are. Here we are right now today. That's that's how we got here. That's how Nazi Germany and Soviet Union, Cuba, sure. and China, and Italy and all these other places got to where they were by believing that basic falsehood. So it occurs to me as we're sitting here talking about this, though, we're, we're kind of arguing the same thing from two different sides uh, or not the same thing. I mean, we're kind of arguing against ourselves a, a little bit. And so let's. Let's untie this this okay. Gordian knot a little bit, because what you just said is that they make laws about things that you should be perfectly free to do. Yes. According to your rights. OK, so one of the quotes that I looked up and, and I don't have the quote in front of me um, because I'm just not as prepared today as I ought to be. As we were preparing for this, one of my favorite quotes from Ayn Rand and, you know, just basically the through line in the plot of Atlas Shrugged is they make criminals out of everyone. Yeah. And and the the idea is, is that the man that you make a criminal out of, you can control. Yes. And so so that is they are making laws against the people that they want to control, which is those of us who believe help me out if I'm not saying this right or if I'm not if I'm not thinking correctly. It's those of us who believe in those natural rights, those of us who believe that all men are created equal. And so they're making our beliefs criminal. Am I wrong? No, no, you're you're. Not wrong. I'm not 100% accurate, I know, but I, I think that that's it's kind of the our, objective. It's, it's not our beliefs they're making criminals so much as how we would implement them. Okay, so Fair enough. You know, there, there was a study some years ago now, probably 10 years more. There was a fellow, gosh, he was in one of the southern universities. I don't remember which one, maybe Clemson, Duke, someplace, a professor. Came out with this really interesting study, and some people have disputed it. His basic premise was we all commit, uh, average American commits three felonies a day. Yeah, he wrote without, a book about it. Yeah. Without knowing that. Yeah. Right? So let's just assume. We're, we're all committing felonies every day. We don't even know it. Right. Right? Because so, they've criminalized so much. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because they have criminalized so much. And overregulated so much. Yeah, that's that's right. And yeah, we'll, we'll get to regulations here in a little bit because that's a whole new story. <laughs> but, you know, it was Taleb who said, you know. Something to the effect of a uh, pretty soon we'll all wake up wondering what laws we violated yesterday that we did not know existed. Well, that happened, started happening 10, 15 years well, ago. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. And generally, we don't worry about it right now, right? Generally, we don't. Generally. Right? Progressives gain power. This would be the dominant feature in our life. What law did I break today that they're going to punish me for? Right. Because this is exactly how they operate. Nazi Germany, Soviet Union, Miles China, Castro's Cuba, Pol Pot. Right. Right. I mean, this is it. This right? is why I turn off every single electronic device in my house when I want to have conversations like this. Of course, <laughs> then I go on on air and, you know, have this conversation with you in public. But, you know, I mean, this is exactly why, you know, because I, I feel like all, all of our social media, all of our devices, all of our everything. And it, yes, you can go ahead and help me buy stock in, in an aluminum foil company after I state this. But it feels like. That's what they're storing up the ammo for is is to, you it's know. It's not that, that they listen to everything, but. They can. It is not hyperbole. It is not false. It is not conspiracy theory to, theory to say, theoretically, they can listen to anything they want. Yeah. And I don't mean they being the government. I mean, being they being nearly anyone with the appropriate skills. Yeah. Can do that. Yeah. And and then turn around and report you for something like that. I mean, that's back to cancel culture, which we also did an episode on. I mean, this is yeah, yeah, part yeah. of that. Right. I think it was Michael Crichton wrote a book called Digital Fortress. Yeah. Two decades ago. Yeah. I mean, at this point, um, but it was about the NSA, the, you know, their ability to, to use algorithms to listen in on basically everything we we're doing two decades ago. 
Michael Crichton was, was a pretty smart guy, granted, but still that seemed rather prophetic. And that's, you know, one of the things that I guess I, I, I kind of stopped worrying about it. I worry about it, but I, I kind of stopped worrying about it. Cause it's like, if they're going to come get me, they're going to make up something to come get me. This it doesn't really even matter. Yeah. I don't worry about it whatsoever. Okay. I mean, I, I just don't. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, you're a uh, lot more laid back than I am. <laughs> well, I probably just am. Tight. Right? But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just don't worry about it because there's more important things to worry about. Right. Sure. I, I don't, I don't want to worry about playing defense against these people. I want to worry about playing offense against these people, right? <laughs> I don't want to worry about showing, hey, this is why these ideas suck. Yeah. Right? I mean, understand, there are certain religions that primarily continue to survive by some of their members being very obnoxious. <laughs> and, you know, you're laughing, but it's true. I know. I'm and, trying and to they, figure out which they, ones particular teach, you're talking about. And they teach their people. That if people are rude and reject them, that that is a sign that they are the chosen. Okay? Mm -hmm. So they go out and they're obnoxious. People are rude and reject them. And they take that as self-affirmation <laughs> that they are the chosen. Okay? <laughs> All right. So Sort of a misinterpretation of, yeah. Well, but, but, scripture, but, but, but yes, but absolutely. Not very not much saying this, you're wrong. This is very much the same vein. Right? Okay. Okay. That if you point out somebody, that is a bad idea with bad consequences. That means you're the oppressor and they are doing the right thing by executing the bad idea. And there we come back to the self-licking lollipop. Because exactly. that's, that's what it is. You know, CRT, yeah. we, we talked about this on the CRT episode, the last episode. Same deal. That if you express any dissent from these ideas put forward by the, the critical race theory folks then that is a sign of your white guilt and your yeah. shame and, and an affirmation of their theory. Self-licking lollipop every single time. You know, that's... Yeah, I, I mean, think about it, right? What, what this really boils down to, I make a bad decision. That guy points out I made a bad decision. Right. That means I am morally superior. <laughs> well, wait, stop. But, but really... Yes, I mean, no, you're no, absolutely no, That's exactly right. what it boils down to. You're absolutely so, right. But the problem here you have... As we've seen all over the world, every place that has adopted these ideas, when you break that relationship between decision and consequence, yeah. what you introduce into society is absolute lunacy, right? This is, this is the net result of this, is just absolute lunacy. And we look all around our society and we see lunacy, right? I, I mean, if you don't believe mass psychosis, the madness of crowds, just take a hard look around. <laughs> This is true. Right? I, I mean, we, we have a society populated by lunatics. Yeah. And and those lunatics have TV shows and they hold political office and and they have websites and they live in next door. And, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's true. It, it, but it's because of breaking this connection between decision and consequence. Well, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, cause and effect are naturally ordering our 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 reality. And yes. when you when you refuse to to acknowledge that the effect falls from, follows from the cause yes then there is no way to select your actions with anything resembling sanity or regularity no, that, that, or that's, that's right you know yeah yeah i, I mean it's, feeling it's the, the pain bottom line feeling the pain of being stupid is the major thing that keeps us from being stupid <laughs> right I mean, that's just the truth to it. That is the truest right? statement yeah. you've ever uttered, Keith. No, it's just it's just how the world works. And so it's we true. have 5,000 years of, of written history Yeah, of going, okay, they did this. This is how it turned out. That was a good idea. That was a bad right. idea. This was a good idea. That was a bad idea, right? People thrived here. They did not thrive there. Right. Okay. These people, progressives, these people by this nihilistic philosophy, are arguing that 5,000 years was about nothing but oppression. Right. Right? right. That, that's all false. Yeah. Those weren't actually good ideas, bad ideas, consequences. Right? right? That, that was all false, written to oppress people. And it's like... What in the hell do they do with the, like, the laws of physics? Because those really are oppressive as well. well I mean, do they uh, well, not believe in those? Well, so that's, that's a good question. They believe in those when their survival depends on it. <laughs> surprise, but surprise. if you look at... Nazi, Soviet, Chinese science. Yeah. The history of that, you see lunacy. Well, if you can if you can blame somebody else for the you effect see, of gravity, then you know 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, we see I, that I, with the Wuhan with the Wuhan virus. Well, well, with the, so again, Nazi Germany is such a great example it here. Is, it is because you look at Nazi Germany. You go, wow, they uh, built the first production jets. They built the first production rockets. Right? They did some pretty amazing scientific things in their brief twelve years. At the same time, absolutely insane science around things like race. Right. Right. I mean, we're there, you know, measuring people's heads to see if they're sufficiently Aryan, you know, that that kind of thing. Right. I mean, they're going into schools, yeah. public schools, measuring children's heads yeah. to evaluate how Aryan they are. I mean, it's just bonkers. Well, and the it United just, States were telling those same school children, the same age school children to divide themselves up into classes yes. of oppressors and oppressed. So, yes. you know, I mean, yes. how well, different is that? It's that, not. Right. No, exactly. It's yeah. not. It, it's it's really not very much different because right. it's the same philosophy. Bingo. Right. That's yes. what it is. Yes. Right? It's it's the exact same same shit, different day all over again. All over again, version 2.0. Or 3.0 or 4.0 or however you want to view it. Yeah. But yeah, my own opinion, right? The attraction to these nihilistic ideas is they break that connection between right. decision so you can and make, consequence. You I can, can make, make horrific decisions and not suffer horrific consequences. You can, you can well, and, and you can make the hedonistic, you know, decision, the, the one that feels good in the moment. You do not have to delay gratification. You don't have to obey the laws of <laughs> I mean, the the like physical laws of how shit actually works. Yeah, you, steal, steal that car, make a couple of thousand bucks the next half hour. Right. Yeah. Works no, for me, no, no, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, no, exactly it. And I mean, you know. Do every drug known to man, lose your house, lose your wife, you know, all that, and you're being oppressed. Not because it has nothing to do with you doing every drug known to man, yeah, no, you know, that it, kind of crap. Exactly. And, well, you know, crime has just skyrocketed, right? Yes. I mean, last, what, two years, I counted converter thefts are 1,100%. Why do you think I moved to Wyoming? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, this is this is exactly it. I mean, like I said, I was not safe in Denver. I, uh -huh. I could not be safe. And, and, and on top of that, I was a Republican in Denver. I mean, it's just I could not be safe in Denver. No, that's right. And so I had to get the hell out. It is because of this philosophy. It is because this is what pervaded all of the policies coming out of the city council and the mayor's office, everything coming out of the state capitol because we could not get majorities there. And and just what was going on, it, it, it made it, I mean, and, and just blue cities nationwide yes. suck. They just suck. Yeah. And, and you know, I like Eric Adams in, in New York City, and he promised to defund the police. Well, now now they're saying that it was Republicans who wanted that's. It, let me actually finish that sentence. Now they are saying it was Republicans who wanted to defund the police, which is bullshit. Yeah. And, and, and so and we can get into why that is so aggravating. Obviously, it makes me mad because I'm sitting here just like vibrating. But. Um, you know, it's it's that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, you defund the police, you're going to get a crime wave. It's not a mystery. Yeah, but okay. So as far as New York City saying Republicans wanted to defund the police, oh, that was Biden we'll go back to that, yeah, yeah. Well, Biden and others, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. they're nihilists. They are not connected <laughs> to objective truth or reality. Fair enough. They're objective. Fair enough. They're connected to politics. That is right? fair enough. So, yeah. so they you just know, say something I mean, often enough, then it doesn't. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, people really need to understand. Yeah. This right and. You know, Republicans to a large extent they need to stop trying to emulate this. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, just saying it because it's politically convenient. I, what can we change the stream a little bit? Yes, yes. Okay. Because let's talk about bureaucracies and regulations. Let's let's do I I want to get into that. Okay. And and I mean, and part of it, and I understand why you're trying to bring this up right now, because they do carry the unelected bureaucrats then end up carrying the force of law. Oh, yeah. And and making whoever they want into a criminal. Oh, right? yeah. Is oh, that yeah. where you wanted to no, go? No, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. 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 This is not like your city council or your state legislature or Congress is thousands of votes. This would be a law and this would be illegal. This won't. Right. No, 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 no. Yeah. You have bureaucrats unelected. Right. Right. Who are sitting in some dingy office someplace. Yep. Writing laws that will put you in jail, get you fined or have them seize your property. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, you you live out on the Great Plains of Wyoming. Right. Yep. If you said, yeah, I'm going to go seek an oil well on my property. I own the mineral rights on. Yeah. OK, I guarantee you within two hours, you would have four federal agencies there telling you 
why you're going to jail. <laughs> right? Well, I, it's I, interesting that you say that, actually, because I was actually approached for um, a, a company, a, an energy company, to dig a well on my property yeah. for CO2 sequestration, which I did not take them up on, but my neighbor did. Yeah. And they just pulled down the derrick yesterday. I guess I assume that the energy company got some sort of clearance from somebody somewhere. But, you know, if I wanted to do that... I don't know what the regulations are out there. I do know that I own the mineral rights to my property. Yeah, and but, I own but I that guarantee strata. you cannot drill a well without federal permission. Well, I got to get somebody's permission. Well, no, yeah. you, got, you need federal permission, yeah. right? You, you'll have the EPA and everybody else out there. Well, there's the right? guy who had the pond on his property of the EPA came after. Yes. I think that was yes. here in Wyoming, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, but but point is, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. They are writing, unelected bureaucrats are writing regulations Bingo. with the force of law, throw you in jail. Right. Find you, take your property. Sometimes without, kill you. And, and well, sometimes they might kill you for it. But but the point is, right, all these are political. Yeah. Right? None of these are about your rights and your property. Right. Right? None of them. But they have the force of law. And these people are unelected. And it is uh, every bit as odious as More. the Soviet Union. More. I... I well, yes, every bit yeah. as, as odious as the Soviet Union is. And again, I, I, for this subject, I go back to Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged. And, and she talks about that, about the man in Washington and all that kind of stuff. These regulations are written almost exclusively to um, hand something to a donor, to, no, to no, no, carve no. out something for that, somebody right. who They're has for, a political... For, for politicians and bureaucrats to repay and enrich their friends, Bingo. families, and cronies. Bingo. And that's, that's, that's it. That is, that is, the, that purpose. is the purpose. Is it Mike Lee who publishes the pictures of the Federal Register every year? Uh, I think so. And yeah. so what was interesting when President Trump was president, he made them repeal two regulations for every one regulation that went into the register, which is the idea. And actually the, the balance actually ended up being like five for every one that went into the register, five came out, um, which was a pretty good track record. I mean, that's, that, that's pretty amazing. Be able to take some of these, because these things get on the books and then they never, ever, so ever leave. 20 years we produced uh, about 89,000 new regulations. Yeah. 89,000. Yeah. In 20 years. I mean, this is what the entire bureaucracy does. It's State their and entire purpose, yeah. Is to sit down and write regulations that will deprive you of your life, liberty, and property. That's the only that purpose is, of bureaucracy. That is the yes, that is the only purpose right. that these people have. In large part because Congress has abdicated their responsibility to make the laws and they've uh, they've delegated that responsibility to some unnamed three, four, five letter agency somewhere. Yeah, I mean, the one enduring quality of Congress since the start of this country is laziness. <laughs> this is right? very true. If Congress can outsource one of their duties, they will outsource one of their duties. Outsource all of their duties. Yeah, pretty much they do. Right? I mean, they really do. But, yeah. but when you really, right, talk about this, that, yeah, you could have a bureaucrat somewhere draft regulation. Yeah. No matter how unfair, no how how idiotic. Yeah. No matter how insane, yeah, and you will go to jail because of his hubris. Because Congress in accounting put this together, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I mean, that's really it. Yeah, yeah, and that's it, it, it's it's very frustrating. Like, I don't know how many in our audience actually know that I am a CPA and I started my career in tax. That is, you know, taxation and, and doing tax returns and stuff. That's that's where I started my career. Notice I'm not there anymore. <laughs> and there's a reason for that, actually. You know, tax law has many layers to it. And about the bottom seven, eight, ten layers are all written by bureaucrats, not written by right. the Congress that we actually vote for and put them in place and put them yeah. in office to write these laws. They write like you know, all income shall be taxed and then bureaucrats write all the things that support that. Yeah. And so well, there's a reason we don't have a 70,000 page tax code. The IRS has 70,000 pages dedicated oh. to explaining the tax code. <laughs> it's probably more than that at this point. I think last yeah. check was like 180,000. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's and yeah. there's, and there's no way 
there's there's a reason why you call the IRS and you cannot rely on the advice you get when you call the IRS no. to fill out your tax codes. There's a reason why, you know, accounting's, you know, tax preparation is a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. And it, you, they still get it wrong. Yeah. They still get it wrong. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, oh, there's yeah. no way to know all this crap. Right. There's absolutely no way to know all this crap. So, you know, and that's just one small aspect of the law that I'm actually familiar with. It has to do with, like you said, the EPA. Every single agency has, you know, yeah. regulations coming out of the wazoo. Yeah, tw- twenty more than twenty years ago now, I had a dispute with the IRS. Yeah, over what to me was a meaningful amount of money. Sure. And uh, basically, there's no way to win, right? Nope. Call call lawyers, and you know, it was sixteen thousand dollars they claimed I owed. I claimed I did not. Yeah. And basically, you call lawyers and go, "There's pay the sixteen because it's cost cost you more than that." Yep. If even if you win. Yep. Right. So it's like they just have you over a barrel. There is absolutely nothing that you can do. No. And that's that that feeling of powerlessness is very, very frustrating. Well, it's just morally wrong. It is morally wrong. That's just absolutely. the bottom line. Right. But that's why you and I get on here and we record uh, this stuff right. because, I mean, this is how we fight back. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, you elect the right politicians, hopefully. And uh, you fight back, you know, and you talk yeah. to your neighbors about how to elect the right politicians. I mean, it's just I, I feel like we don't have a lot of other tools in our tool belt, um, but this at least is something that we can do. Right. You know, yeah, is talk. We can talk. That's right. A lot. <laughs> I'm glad that we did this episode. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. But like I said, there's a deeper point here than just crime. Yes. Right. And that yes. is this this disassociation of consequences for decisions. Right. And if you point to your being, you go, that is a bad decision that will have bad consequences. Right. You are labeled the oppressor yeah. because they believe these consequences are artificially constructed to oppress them. Not that it's this distilled wisdom of 5,000 years of humanity. Right. <laughs> right? No, that has no, nothing to no, do with no, it. No. The they fact just- that when that... 100 times out of 100, somebody has jumped off of that building and landed splat on the sidewalk does not mean that that's going to happen the 101st time. The first 100 times that it happened, it was the oppressor dictating that outcome. Yeah, I mean. Right? Yeah. 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 If you decide to make your living stealing. Yeah. Chances are overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly likely you will have a miserable life. 5,000 years of history tells us that. Yep. Progressives will say, well, no, that that's, was oppression. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's because you, you're wrecking your own soul. Soul, if this is what you want to do with your life. There's that. And the fact that you're just doing something that is completely antithetical to being a human living in community. Yeah. I which mean, is why we have these 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 rules and these customs in the first place. Well, and, and here's the thing. We, for decades and decades, who knows how long, 150 years, maybe longer, a certain segment of society has been proclaiming that crime is the product of poverty. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have a mountain of data now showing that is not the relationship, that the relationship goes the other way. Yeah. Right? Crime is not the product of poverty. Poverty is the product of crime. Right. And not just for the criminal, but for the people around the criminal. Absolutely. Right. If if you worked those extra hours to build up the extra wealth so you could go buy that 50 inch flat screen and you had it four days and somebody came and stole it. Yeah. What was the point in doing the extra work? There was none. There wasn't. Yeah. There was, oh, 40 years ago, close to it. Fellow I worked with saved and scrimped his money for quite a while Mm -hmm. to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Bought a house in a not very good part of Los Angeles. Moved in over the weekend, went to work Monday, came home Monday night. Everything he owned was gone. Oh, my God. House was empty. Oh, my God. His clothes, his furniture, everything was gone. Wow. Somebody came in while he was at work. He moved in like on a Saturday, went to work Monday, came home Monday night, and the house was literally (laughs) empty. Everything he owned was gone other than his car and the clothes he was wearing. And uh, he ended up just turning around selling the house and renting again. And this is how, I mean, this is the real effect of crime. Right. Right. It's not just that it's bad for the criminal, which it is. Right. It's the people they steal from. Whose, whose rights are violated. Yeah, no, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whose rights are violated. I mean, crime causes poverty. The more crime you have, the more poverty you have. It's it's just that simple. Right. Right. There's there's no less crime, less poverty. That's right. There's no Bingo. high crime flourishing societies. Yeah. Choose one. There is um, a theory. I'm also one of the 
set of credentials that I have is the uh, is that I am a certified fraud examiner. And part of the exam for becoming a certified fraud examiner has to do with sociology. Um, that you have to you have to study criminology and and how that works in the fraud mindset and how how all of that fits in with fraud. And oh, you're ready to take on the progressives. <laughs> well, it's 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 all premise on fraud. Probably part of the reason why I did that, <laughs> why I became one. One one of the theories of what creates financial pressure, financial inducement to commit crime, particularly financial crimes, but that would include stealing cars and you know all sure. that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, I studied it in the context of fraud, in, yeah. in the context of white collar crime. But anyway, that theory is called strain theory, and the idea behind strain theory is not so much that there's an absolute, you know. You know, poverty, you know, like you said, there is a mountain of data that says that poverty does not cause crime. What does incentivize crime, though, is the disparity between poverty and nearby affluence. So in cities, for example, let's let's just take Denver as an example. Okay, so you've got Cherry Creek, which is very, very, very close to George Washington High School yeah. uh, and the area surrounding GW, which is not an affluent area. Cherry Creek is a very affluent area, multi-million dollar homes. The area around GW, not so much. Right. Um, and so you create with that strain, you create financial incentives to, to a degree because folks are looking at those affluent people say, I want to live like that. And it's so close. It's so, you can touch it. You can go walk on their sidewalks and see right, it right. And, and that kind of thing. The politics of envy, yes, which is what I think we ought to cover on our next episode. Okay. Um, I like that. <laughs> the politics of envy is what creates that that strain and makes it worse, magnifies it, and right. doesn't give any sort of an out beyond engaging in a life of crime, especially when you tell the story that the only way that those people got to be where they are is because they stole from you. Yeah, no, exactly. They're the oppressors. Exactly. Yeah. When we talk about it, you're right, you know, that, that poverty does not create crime, but because you're not going to steal from people who are just like you, but you're going to steal from the people who are not just like you, who got where they are because of I don't know. who you are. The criminals I know steal from me. The criminals that you know? That I've known will okay. steal from anybody. <laughs> yeah. They are Fair not enough. picky. Fair enough. Fair enough. No honor among thieves is what you're telling no. me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a complex subject. And like I say, I'm I'm very grateful that we did this um, today. And and uh, thank you for helping me, you know, sort of differentiate these different dynamics that, you know, in, in this entire problem. Because this is complex. I mean, there's a lot of different yeah. vectors in here. Um, but understanding that nihilism and understanding that disconnection between choices and consequences. Yes. You're right. Is absolutely 100% critical. Yep. Well, thank you, Keith. Appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate the time that you spent with us, folks. If you like what you're hearing, please go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you think that we rate it. And, which uh, we do. Which, of course, we do. <laughs> and uh, if you could leave a review, that would be even better. That helps us with the algorithm, helps get uh, cowgirls and Indians up in the ratings. And uh, hopefully, you know, someday we can make this even more successful than it is right now. We're working on that. Thank you so much, Keith. Thank you. Thank you.